Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. All right, all right, here we go. Welcome to another show. It is Tuesday morning, and it is The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here. I love these shows during the middle of the week. I could pretty much have free range to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And we got a pretty good show for you. We had a Monday night football game last night. The Tennessee Titans were able to beat the Bills. The Boston Red Sox beat the Houston Astros in Game 3 of the ALCS. And we have... NBA tonight and Game 3 of the NLDS between the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is starting early. Try to get off work and watch that game. The good thing about that game is it's not too late at night. So I will be watching that game and I will preview that game as well. Alright, we had a Monday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. And coming into this game, I thought that the Bills were the best team in the AFC. But the Titans used the ground game of Derrick Henry to control the game. Although the Bills had the lead, Derrick Henry's three touchdowns. Boy, he's been such a help on my fantasy team. Derrick Henry's go-ahead touchdown put the Titans up 34-31. And then the Titans defense stepped up and stopped Josh Allen on fourth down. Why did he not kick the field goal there? I'll always wonder that. They were going for it on fourth down. I guess they were going for the win. They were right at the Tennessee three-yard line. And Tennessee is now 4-2. They're atop of the AFC South. I still think that the Colts have some talent, that they can compete with the Titans. But this is the Titans' division to lose. They have to play the Kansas City Chiefs next week. Buffalo's still the best team in the AFC. They have a pretty easy division with the Dolphins and the Jets. And even the Patriots, even though the Patriots are 2-4. and four. I see the Buffalo Bills still getting back to the Super Bowl. I still see Buffalo competing for the Super Bowl with Baltimore. And don't count out the Tennessee Titans because they have been a thorn in a lot of team sides. Just when you think they're down and out, they lost a game to the Jets. They shouldn't have lost. But they had incredible wins, including over the Seahawks when Russell Wilson was healthy. Moving on to Major League Baseball, we had Game 3 of the ALDS and the Boston Red Sox. Coming back to Fenway, pounded the Houston Astros 12-3, including a grand slam by Kyle Schwarber. And that's just what the Boston Red Sox do. When they get into the postseason, they rely on their big bats, and they have experience. And I think the Boston Red Sox will return to the World Series. I'm not sure who they're going to play, either the Atlanta Braves or the Los Angeles Dodgers. But Game 4 will be tonight between the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. The Astros have Zach Greinke on the mound. Boston will have Nick Pavetta. And he did not perform well his last start. So hopefully he can have a bounce back game. And the Red Sox can take control of this series. And they have always been dominant at Fenway. So tonight in baseball, the first game, Game 3 of the NLDS between the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Braves have a 2-0 series lead over the Dodgers after two walk-off winning hits. 
to win those games. They were tense games going down to the wire. The Dodgers have had some managerial decisions that are puzzling. Putting in Max Scherzer after he had a bullpen session in Game 5 between the Giants. Putting in Julio Urias. He gave up two runs. He is your Game 4 starter. The bottom line is the Dodgers do not have Clayton Kershaw. He is injured. And they do not have Max Muncy. They are wounded. They had a very tough series against the San Francisco Giants that could have went either way. And now they're facing a Braves team that is hot at the right time. Once Ronald Acuna Jr. got injured in mid-August, the Braves went on a tear to catapult themselves to win this division and get into the playoffs. And they went right through the Milwaukee Brewers and that pitching staff. And the Braves have their ace on the mound tonight. I like their chances in this game. Chad Morton is going up against the Dodgers' Walker Bueller, which even though Walker Bueller is the Dodgers' best pitcher, the Giants were able to hit him. He's not unhittable. Everybody thought that Max Scherzer was unhittable. This Braves lineup, which has Freddie Freeman 0 for 8 so far, is going to wake up. You don't think Freddie Freeman is going to get a hit off a right-handed pitcher? He hits everybody. So Freddie Freeman is going to have a big game. And I think this game's going to be close. Now, I think the Dodgers might win. If the Dodgers win, Braves have to bounce back and they have to get game four. I've said all along in this series, the Braves have to take at least one in L.A. Dodgers fans think that the Dodgers are going to win all the games in L.A. and bring it back to Atlanta. And the Dodgers are going to be able to close this out because that's just what they do. Dodgers fans are thinking Dodgers are going to win in seven or even six. Let's be realistic here because this Dodgers team is not the same team that beat the Braves in the NLCS last year. Remember, last year, all seven games were in the bubble in Texas. All seven games were seven straight games. There were no games apart. This is going to be a little bit different because now your pitchers are going to have rest. Also, the Dodgers do not have Clayton Kershaw. He was a huge factor against the Braves in that series last year. They also do not have Dustin May. He was another Game 7 starter. He was another starter for the Dodgers that they cannot rely on. The Dodgers just don't have the pitching. There's talks that Game 5 is going to be a bullpen session. Then they're going to pitch Max Scherzer for Game 6. And they're going to try to pitch Walker Buehler for Game 7. So the Dodgers' strategy is to pitch Walker Buehler in Games 3 and Game 7 on full day's rest. I like the strategy, but I also like the Braves' chances to not repeat the history they had with the Dodgers in the postseason. Remember, the last three times the Braves have faced the Dodgers in the postseason, they lost. 2013 was the first time the Braves had the home field advantage. They split in Atlanta, and it went back to L.A., and the Dodgers won. 2018, the Dodgers won both their games in L.A., And they weren't even close. The Braves were able to take one in Atlanta thanks to a grand slam by Ronald Acuna Jr. But the Braves lost that series in five. So, so far, all the postseason history that the Atlanta Braves have had with the Dodgers, they have yet to win a game in L.A. But this Braves team is different. And I think they're going to do it because they have the pitching. Let's say they don't. Let's say the Dodgers win all three games in L.A. The Braves have the rest of the games at home. This is the position you want to be. You want to have game six and game seven at home. And the Braves can beat the Dodgers at home. I know in the regular season, the Braves did not win a single game in LA. 
But I think history is going to change, especially since they have their ace on the mound tonight on full day's rest. This could be anybody's game. So let's get this one. Let's get the Braves to go up 3-0 and try to close out this series in L.A. I would not like to see the Braves come back to Atlanta to clinch this. I would like to see them clinch it in L.A. and make all those Dodger fans and Dodger sports writers and Bill Plaschke quiet because they say that the Braves have no shot against the Dodgers. They were talking about that with the Giants as well. Let me tell you something. The Dodgers are the better team. But the Giants really wounded the Dodgers by taking that to five games and making them have the one-game playoff. And by winning the division, the Giants made the Dodgers' path to the World Series tougher. So thank you. I'm glad that the Giants were able to do that. We have NBA tonight. Doubleheader. The Brooklyn Nets. Fully healthy Brooklyn Nets, which if that's the case, they're the favorites in the Eastern Conference if they have everybody healthy. Taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending NBA champions. They're running it back again with all their players. Giannis Antetokounmpo, just call him Giannis, the Greek freak. Drew Holiday, what an acquisition he was last year. And Chris Middleton. You have the Olympians. They had a very busy summer. Now they're back. Remember, the NBA ended in July, so their offseason is a little bit shorter. It seems like the NBA gets closer and closer to the beginning of October every year. And this is going to be a very good series. This is going to be a very good game between two teams that put up a lot of offense. Milwaukee is a little bit better on the defensive side. Giannis is a very good defensive player. Who is he going to guard tonight? Is he going to guard Kevin Durant? Is he going to guard James Harden? Brooklyn has got some role players, too, getting Paul Millsap. And I think that Brooklyn's expectations this year is to win a championship. But they've got to get Kyrie Irving right. They've got to get healthy. They have a history of injuries. And you have a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are gunning for Brooklyn, including Milwaukee. They are the defending champs. They want to run it back again and win a second straight NBA championship. And then you also have the Atlanta Hawks, which signed Kevin Herter to a four-year extension. They're spending big money on their players. They want to keep their core players because they feel they are a championship team. The Atlanta Hawks will take on the Dallas Mavericks Thursday night in their opening game. And the Hawks look just as strong as they were last year. The team that reached the Eastern Conference Finals is going to have a healthy DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish is going to develop much better in his third season. And Kevin Herter is going to be a baller out there. They still have Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovic. But Trey Young has got great role players around him. And he's got some all-stars. You don't necessarily have to have three superstars on your team. Trey Young is the superstar. If you can get John Collins and DeAndre Hunter, that's your big three that can win an NBA championship. And I don't think the window was just it last year for the Atlanta Hawks. I think they can compete with the Brooklyn Nets. They can go toe-to-toe with them. I remember in the beginning of the regular season last year, the Hawks were taking on the Brooklyn Nets, and they were going toe-to-toe with the Nets. The Hawks are capable of doing that. I don't think the Nets, their net, the Nets' weakness is defense. All you got to do is outscore them. And the Hawks are able to do that. They have the pieces in place. And they have the coach, Nate McMillan, great defensive-minded head coach. And he's got the superstars. 
I'm excited about the Hawks this season. I do think that their role players are going to help contribute and they're going to have a great regular season record, which will fare well for them in the playoffs because the goal is to get home court. Is this Hawks team better than the team that won 60 games in 2015? I actually think it is. And I think they have the pieces in place. Game two of the doubleheader in the NBA tonight is the Golden State Warriors taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm interested to see how well this Lakers team is going to gel with all these veteran players that are over 35. I've been teasing the Lakers all offseason. I think they're an antique store. I think they got a bunch of old players. Yes, veteran leadership is important in your locker room. But on the court, this is a young man's game. These young teams are going to run the Lakers out of the gym. Yes, LeBron is still the best player in basketball, but the Lakers lost some of their perimeter defenders like Montrez Harrell and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso, and they exchanged them for players like Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard. It's a bunch of old guys, and I don't necessarily think this works especially when the western conference is going to cannibalize each other because they have talent all over the league even one of the worst teams in the western conference the sacramento kings looks pretty good with De'Aaron fox tyrese halliburton and now davion mitchell look out for him he could possibly be a surprise on the kings as he has that championship experience with the baylor bears in ncaa Speaking of college basketball, college basketball is just around the corner and they just released their first preseason rankings and Gonzaga, no surprise that they run away as the AP top number one team in college basketball. UCLA is a surprise at number two. Remember, they didn't have such a great record last year. Remember, they made it to the final four. So Gonzaga is number one and UCLA is number two, Kansas number three, Villanova four, Texas five, Michigan six, Purdue seven, and your defending NCAA champions, Baylor, is number eight. Duke is number nine and Kentucky is number ten. College basketball will start up in November. Remember, the Columbus State Cougars' first game is going to be against Barton College on November the 12th. Their first home game will be November 15th at the Lumpkin Center against Morehouse College. So looking forward to a great season with the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. Hoping to get those coaches on the show one day. Luckily, Coach Moore follows me on Twitter. Locally, today is the day we find out which cities are going to be the destination for the Savannah Bananas World Tour for 2022. And it is possible that Columbus might be one of those cities. That's going to be a big deal here in Columbus. That's going to be a big deal in Columbus. But can we take it a step further? i like to see the Columbus Chattahoots play the Savannah Bananas. Since the Savannah Bananas have been in existence in 2016, they have broke records for attendance at Grayson Stadium in Savannah. But Banana Ball has been the highlight. Their world tour has been the talk of the town here in Columbus. And they'll find out 
We will later find out today if Columbus is going to be one of the destinations for their world tour. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Columbus River Dragons. They are defending their Ignite Cup championship this year, and they start the season November 5th against the Port Huron Prowlers. Their first home game will be November the 12th at the Civic Center against the Carolina Thunderbirds. So the River Dragons are going to have a full hockey season. They're going to have max capacity with fans, So plenty of opportunities to get tickets. I'm so glad that they're back to having fans everywhere. And I try to support the local minor league teams in Columbus to include the River Dragons, the Lions, and the Columbus Chattahoots. Always a great time in the city of Columbus. And starting December 30th, we have the Columbus Rapids, which is an indoor men and women's soccer team. So we have the full slate of professional sports in Columbus. The only thing we don't have is a G League team for basketball. But if you're a basketball fan, it's always nice to go see the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars at the Lumpkin Center. We have some college football this weekend. I like it when they have these games on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights. You got Coastal Carolina ranked 14th in the country, taking on Appalachian State this Wednesday night. The Thursday games, you got Tulane taking on SMU. SMU is 6-0 and ranked 21st in the country. That's the highest ranking they've had since those teams before the 1987 death penalty. A great series on ESPN 30 for 30 called Pony Excess, which it talks about the story of SMU football. I was fascinated by this team that should have won the national championship in 1981, but they had talented running backs, Eric Dickerson and Craig James, and they ran the option well, and they were a well-oiled machine. And then it all came to fruition when they received the death penalty, which I don't think that'll ever happen in college football ever again, because that completely destroyed their program so i like to see them back on top and they are doing great so far this season you got florida atlantic taking on charlotte louisiana taking on arkansas state and san jose state taking on unlv back when i was a kid when unlv was great at basketball that was a big hot ticket item one of those things on my bucket list that i would have loved to have seen when unlv Went to San Jose State in 1991. I was in junior high. I would have loved to have gotten tickets to see UNLV play San Jose State. I lived maybe 20 minutes away from the campus of San Jose State. I would have loved to have seen Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt play basketball in San Jose. But it's neither here or there. I was only 12 years old, so it happens. I, I do expect UNLV football to be better than 0-6. What is going on there? They got Tate Martell. They need to get a new coaching staff in there. Previewing the Friday games, Middle Tennessee State taking on UConn. Memphis taking on UCF. Colorado State taking on Utah, Utah State. Utah, give me two. And Washington, a disappointing 2-4, and four, taking on the Arizona Wildcats, a disappointing 0-6. Georgia's got the bye. They are getting ready for the big Florida game in two weeks. And it's still a big game, even though Florida is unranked. I believe so. 
So some of the local teams I could talk about is Georgia State taking on Texas State. Georgia State is 2-4 and four on the season. And Georgia Tech is traveling to Charlottesville to take on the Virginia Cavaliers. They've had a very interesting season. They're only 3-3 three and three on the season. Hopefully they can turn it around. And Jeff Collins can get Georgia Tech back to a bowl game, which it seemed like every year Paul Johnson was the coach, Georgia Tech was in a bowl game. The expectations are, for Georgia Tech, 7-8 wins, a bowl game. And if they can't even do that, it's time to get rid of the head coach. Speaking of head coaches, who is going to coach LSU next year? Now that Ed Orgeron is not going to be the head coach for 2022, LSU is going to shoot for the moon. They are going to get an elite head coach. Some of the names out there that they're talking about, Luke Fickle, Hugh Freeze, I think Bell Tucker would be a good candidate. He's had some ties in the SEC. But I think they're going to swing for the fence and try to get Urban Meyer if it doesn't work out in Jacksonville. Or even John Gruden. I mentioned when I tweeted on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday that LSU should go after John Gruden. I don't think that tweet got on the air, though. Well, everybody, that's all the time I have on the show. Thank you once again for downloading my podcast and liking and subscribing to my Facebook channel. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.